0: to how to pivot from engineering to tech. Tonight with us, we have Danielle Pollard. She is going to talk about how she transitioned from industrial engineering to technology. So many of you, especially if you're analytical like me, may be thinking, but Michelle, I'm an electrical engineer, but Michelle, I learned how to do pipelines. And I, I, I just don't have that, that technical know-how to go into tech. Danielle's journey is really going to be important in how you look at your skill set and best practices that you've learned already in your engineering career that you can literally transition over um, into tech because you already have a technical background. They're going to try to fool you, well, you don't code. You're like, I'm about to say another word, but you're like, but you don't do whatever that you do as a technical professional. So they always tell me, but you don't code. I'm like, yeah, but you don't build the buildings where you sit down to code, do you? I said, I don't need technology to build that. You need your job, don't you? So, <laughs> so just keep that in mind. You have a, spe- a certain skill set. So a bit about Danielle. She has a background in industrial systems engineering with more than two decades of training, executive coaching, and most importantly, real life in the trenches leadership experience. Um, she is referred to as the motivator for her innate ability to bring the best out in others to consistently drive results and deliver value. Um, she is known for her high energy and humorous style. She hails from Chicago's South Side.
1: Oh,
0: One other thing I want you to know about her is she is a sports fanatic. Um, Danielle as you know, hails from Chicago, but y'all know us down in the Dirty South, college football and sports, basketball is re- where it's at. So before they even make it pro, more than likely they coming from these dirt roads around here. I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say. So <laughs> yeah I'm gonna turn it over to you so you can share how, let, let's first start off. How did, when did you fall in love with Tech? Like, like loving basketball, when did you fall in love with Tech?
2: So actually it's funny, um, when I received a Christmas gift, when I was like eight years old and it was a uh, TRS-80. Is anybody familiar with that or ever heard of it? Probably not. So it was like a little computer, you hook it up to the TV and then the TV comes the monitor. So I wrote my first program when I was eight years old. I programmed a crap game. And then I did this interactive survey with my brother. It was like, what's your name? And he was like, Lonnie. And then it would say, hi, Lonnie, did you do the dishes? You know, just little stuff. I mean, I was eight years old, right? So I just thought it was so cool to be able to leverage. I also programmed an alarm clock. So I just thought it was so cool to be able to um, take something that was an idea and then actually turn it into something that was tangible that you could touch. And so I've carried that with me and I've always had an affinity for technology and solving problems with technology. So that's how I got hooked. I'm like, if my mom would have known what to do, I could have been like Bill Gates right now. But she had no idea that I was
0: like doing that. Oh, it's not not too late. late. You you can still be our black Bill Gates. Don't worry about that. We we got, we're in the middle of the Rona. We're in the middle of the Rona. Wait, I'm going
2: to move over because that glare. No problem. Um, Don't mind my Kanban board in the back. (laughs) We're in the middle of the Rona.
0: This is the perfect time to start a startup in the garages we didn't grow up with, or the basements we don't have. So yes, right now is the best time to create uh, a a startup and start continuing your path as the Black Bill Gates. Um, So, okay, so you're eight years old, you're creating something new. How many of you ladies have been like that? Like you were taking apart stuff, you were putting together stuff, you were trying to figure out how something worked at eight years old. And you were like, don't you take that apart? Who took the remote apart why did your bro- or did you have to do like me and fix the stuff your brother took apart like the book used to play music and it stopped playing music because like boy here let me fix this before you get in trouble again i will put an electrical engineer. i'm a civil engineer so so i remember oh somebody said they remember that computer <laughs> yeah. so okay yeah see you're not alone you, you you with your peoples we know we know about that. I, I'm not going to tell my, I don't remember. I remember Tandy and the Compacts.
2: Ah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: The mm-hmm. Apple IIe was my, yeah. So anyway, okay. So eight years old, you learn how to code. So then obviously you went off to college to be an engineer. Yes.
2: I uh, actually, actually, no. So the other part is that the following year, uh, my mom was the um, what was she? The food service manager for the City Colleges of Chicago. So it's like a conglomerate of city colleges throughout Chicago, named after people like Harold Washington, Harry Truman, uh, Kennedy, King, after JFK and MLK. And she supervised all of those uh, food, the cafeterias, and she would have to do paperwork like the bookkeeping for all the incoming food and all the orders received, and so. She was busy at it at the table, at the kitchen table, and I asked what she was doing. She showed me, and after that, I started doing all the bookkeeping for the city colleges of Chicago. I mean, they probably would have not been very keen to that if they knew a nine-year-old was doing it. So I ended up going to school for accounting. So in high school, I took um, a lot of courses related to bookkeeping and accounting, and I went to college, and I majored in accounting. I went to NIU, Northern Illinois University, which is which is a pretty good business school. Uh, at the time, they were ranked pretty high. Not sure where they are now, but like in my first couple of weeks, or maybe maybe month of being there, they had this thing called Minority Welcome Night, and I went. And it had all the student organizations around just to try to you know assimilate minorities to the campus so they can you know have a network and you know learn about the, the different offerings, programs and groups that they could become a part of. And I looked and I was looking across and I saw this really fine gentleman, okay? He was so fine. Sitting there looking so astute with his glasses on, his legs crossed, and he was reading a book. And I'm just like, hmm. (laughs) Let me see what's going on at this table. And he was sitting at the table and he had a banner, National Society of Black Engineers. I never heard any, I never even considered it. I didn't know any engineers. There weren't any in my family. The only time I came in contact with one is in my physics class in high school. Our physics teacher, which was an older white male, invited two of his friends, which were two other older white men, to come and talk to us about the field of engineering. And that's all I remember. So after that conversation with him, I went the next day and I changed my major to industrial engineering. And I haven't looked back. Best decision I've made.
0: So how many of y'all changed y'all major in college? I, I didn't change mine. I came in an engineering major. I left the engineering major. But how many of you change or even maybe you change in, in in industry like you got out in industry like you know i'm not gonna be an accountant i'm going and i'm doing software development i'm doing something else because that is quite okay because that is truly what we're here for tonight okay so now you in college you don't know, party it up you, you you nerding it out you nerd it's it Studying. <laughs> i know i know but you know in our minds it's like you know those of us that grew up in the eighties with Spike Lee, you know, we, we kind of got an idea of what college is going to be like, and it wasn't like that. So you graduate or you're about to graduate. Um, and what happened? What, what happens? Um, you you have a job before you graduate or.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I had a, NIU was very good about their recruiting at least the engineering department was very good about bringing in reputable companies to our job fairs. And I was able to land a job before I graduated. And I was gonna be starting at UPS as an industrial engineer in their management training program. And so I went into my field. I liked liked the field of industrial engineering because it was this good combination between like um, management, like people and technology. Or not technology necessarily, but like technical kinds of things, you know, that industrial engineers would do. And so I chose industrial engineering and I did, I started at UPS right out of college.
0: So you're at UPS doing industrial engineering stuff and what you get bored because it's just industrial engineering stuff.
2: <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm like, You feel like a bean counter. So as an IE, your job is to guess like, you know, cut costs, you know, look at processes, re-engineer them, figure out how to do things faster, better, cheaper, right? So but when people see you coming, you come with a clipboard, and they're like, oh, Lord, they feel like you are there to eliminate jobs. Yeah. So I decided to take a different approach. And when I would go out into the floor, I worked actually at uh, the, the largest UPS facility next to the one in Kentucky. This one is like the size of 44 football fields. And I would go out, and when I would see problems, instead of figuring out how to necessarily eliminate jobs, I would figure out ways to solve the problem with technology. So when I was at UPS, I built about four applications. And this was back in 2000, I built four applications myself to resolve a lot of the issues um, that we were having out in the operation. And so I've always incorporated technology. I've just, you know, technology is really about and software development is really about solving problems and using technology to do so. so Because I had that experience and I took a couple of programming classes in my industrial engineering track in college, I just used that knowledge to help do that and I solved a lot of problems. And so, uh, another part of industrial engineering is, like I said, process improvement. So I made a slight transition into the world of Lean, Six Sigma, Toyota production system. And so just furthering, still building applications, I built several applications when I worked at different companies and incorporating what I learned from industrial engineering, I picked up a new skill set, which is around lean, simply around eliminating waste. And since I had taken uh, quality control as an IE, like all of that, it just all played in. And I kept building these databases and I'm like, you know, what happened, what really happened to transition me all the way into IT is uh, I talked to a recruiter and I'm like, listen, you know, I really want to do something different. I want to work around really smart people. I really love technology. And he said, you know, you could, you would be really good as a scrum master. And I'm like, oh, what? A scrum master? I never heard that before. And he said, I want you to meet this lady. And I was so impressed with her. I was recruiting for a position. She came in and she turned it down. And she said, oh, no, I don't take anything less than $88 an hour. And at that time, which is about 10 years ago, I'm like, I'm like, $88 an hour. She turned it (laughs) She turned it down, I'm like, wait a minute. I started doing the math in my head. Like, <laughs> I said, so you say a scrum master, huh? So, I t- man, I took to YouTube. I saw, watched everything I could. I set up a time to meet with her. She was so gracious. She talked to me and I'll tell you what, I was unemployed at the time. And I was, I was at the food pantry with my son who had, uh, I don't know how old he was, probably just born. I had to be just born. And he's in the stroller. I didn't want to miss the call with her. I'm on the phone with her. And all I had was like an uh, envelope. I flipped it on the back and I started taking notes. I ended up getting my first job as a scrum master with apartments.com. And it's been history. Oh, I skipped a part. I'm sorry. When in my last, in my last role as a continuous improvement manager around the lean stuff, I had written a couple of applications there. And it caught the eye of some people from Virgin Atlantic and our technology arm for the company and they were like "Ooh, can you come over here can you do this can you help us and then that's how I got into the into technology like that because of the work that I was doing as an industrial engineer kind of work they saw one of my applications that I built and so I went over and I managed a project and I had like a team in Australia India in Europe and I was the only one in Chicago and then it's been history ever since and that's when I transitioned over to being a scrum master, so sort of seamless journey a little bit, only because the concepts and the methodologies can be played out pretty much everywhere.
0: Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna rewind this, we're gonna back it up, because I understand TQM, because I'm a civil engineer, but I actually have a master's degree in industrial management, so I understand those processes and things, so what I want you to do for me is, and, and it's interesting because somebody said, she's an electrical engineer, but she, I use Python to analyze power system models and MATLAB in my current job. You can do those same analysis and use that same software in, in tech roles, different tech roles. So you had you a question in there, young lady, I, I want you to ask that. Okay, so you took what you knew from being a, being an industrial engineer, I was about to say, so being an industrial engineer. So let's talk about total quality management. How the hell is that related to what you do for code? What What does that have to do with, with development software? Girl. <laughs> Are
2: you testing me, TQ. No. i no. haven't I have left that mindset. Listen, I have forgotten more things than I think a lot of people don't. Okay, let me think. TQM. okay
0: okay so so I I could ask a different question yeah yeah
2: yeah
0: okay or maybe
2: you can just throw throw some throw some some of those old school terms
0: and I'm I'm gonna skip because they're gonna be like okay we stuck. okay somewhere in there you became a software project manager Mm -hmm. where was that in your process in your in your transition and how did that? How did that all play together?
2: Okay, so industrial, in, in, so an industrial, enge- well, I will say, you can be an industrial engineer doing lean stuff. So when I transitioned into like the lean world and TQM and Toyota production system, and it's just this way of getting things done that work to reduce defects and eliminate waste in any process when you're building a product. And we would do these things called kaizen projects right so it's like a two-week quick and dirty get in and you see a problem we're gonna assemble a team we're gonna take two weeks and we're gonna make a quick change we're gonna measure the baseline at the beginning of the results whatever it is we're trying to resolve let me give an, an example so uh there was a process that we had that we're okay so a gay gourmet. um there's a process of gathering let me just say gay grame is if you ever been on the plane the cart that comes down the aisle with the pop and the peanuts on it. So I work for the company that assembled that cart and you would be amazed at the amount of work and chaos that goes into getting those peanuts and pop on that plane. I just don't even, you would never understand. And so (laughs) we had a process where the driver that was gonna actually drive those carts to the aircraft lift it up and place it on there, they would have to assemble these carts. And so the cart with the soda was in one spot, the cart with the uh, coffee pots and napkins and tongues were in another spot and so on. And so that process was taking a very long time and it was causing us a lot of delays because actually there, you know, if you've ever been sitting on a tar or, or on the plane ready to take off and it's delayed, a delayable item is something as simple as tongues. They will not take off if they do not have tongues to pick up the ice with. So if we've forgotten that on the cart, that plane isn't going anywhere. So we were suffering a lot of delays and flight attendant comments for this reason. And so I had to figure out a way to resolve that. And so in that two week Kaizen, we just assembled a small committee of people, people that are managers, supervisors, and people that are closest to the work. And you just go in, you take a baseline, you figure out what you wanna to measure to see if you're successful. You do it in two weeks and you turn around, but in that two week period, you've got to corral all these folks and make sure everything is being done when it needs to be done. So that's kind of where that skill set of project management comes in. So it was kind of seamless as it's understanding what things need to happen when, and how to hold people accountable, and how to have effective meetings, quick meetings to say, hey, here's what's the most important thing, you know, like a quick huddle on a football field. This is what we're gonna do, break and go. And because you only have two weeks to turn it around.
0: Love it. So we call that an outage, and that's the stuff you need to change out in a power plant. Um, you got two weeks, uh, and they will cut you off. And you doing an hour update? Literally, oh, you're not gonna have that done at 48. <laughs> Take that off the list. It's non-essential, and you move on to what's essential. You're not gonna make the debt day because they're powering up because they're making in milli a day. Okay, so we have a few questions in in there, and I and I have I want to go back to that example because my my other question is, what well, do I need to know? Um, how to how to code? Or how to read code but anyway the first question is what exactly is a scrum master and what skills are transferable okay so
2: a scrum master is sort of like imagine okay so i do love sports stay with me uh and i'm going to go with the infamous chicago bulls since they did just do a documentary and so at that time they had a coach bill jackson Phil Jackson was the coach of a winning team. Now, obviously you got Jordan, you got Rodman, you got you know, Pippen, they're out on the field, making the plays, getting the job done. But why do they need a coach? Like these guys are professional ball players. They know the sport inside and out. I mean, they've beat, beat a lot of people out to get there. So why do they need a coach? Well, the role of a coach is to help move the things out of your way that are slowing you down or blocking you, to see those things that you can't see, motivate you, uh, inspire you, you know, make you go deeper so that you can operate at your optimal level. So let's just, so so think about being a coach. Now, the traditional project manager is like this kind of taskmaster. Where they're walking around with like a board or a Gantt chart and they're making sure that things start and end on time and that everyone's doing what they're supposed to do and they're checking off boxes, very command and control almost. Well, that kind of leadership style works in certain environments. Back in the day when we used to do software development projects, we used something called waterfall. Now that's a methodology where, okay, we figure out all the requirements that we want for this particular product. And then once we do that, then we have someone to take that and then build on that. And then once the design and then from that design, they developed and then from that development, that's the cold part. then it gets tested. Well by the time it makes it down that waterfall, we're talking about six months six months a year, two years later at $1.5 million later. And then we deliver it and it either doesn't work or the customer doesn't want it or is outdated. So about 17 really sophisticated software engineering uh, tech people got together at a place called Snowbird, like this resort. And they were trying to figure out what is the best way, how can we start delivering the software better, faster, cheaper? And they came up with, a concept called Agile, which is just simply means the ability to pivot on a dime, ability to change directions quickly. And from that, there are several different flavors of Agile software development. And one of them is called Scrum. And so a Scrum Master is the sort of project manager when you're developing software in a Scrum or Agile workshop, and your role there is to be kind of like this coach where you have assembled very intelligent very creative folks all working together trying to produce some software the problem with that is that uh software delivery is one a human-powered activity so humans are involved which means mess two is that you're building something brand new which means it's never been done before so You need a certain type of leadership to help people navigate uncertain waters and complex waters like software development. And that's what a Scrum Master does. You are sometimes a coach, sometimes a mentor, sometimes a teacher, sometimes a facilitator. It kind of all depends. But what you're leading is a team of highly skilled, cross-functional, individuals that are self-organizing. That means they run themselves. They figure out how to do the work. They figure out what to do and how to do it. And you just help to navigate that process so that they do it well, just like a coach. You're on the sidelines. You're not actively engaged, but you've got to pull on some very um, high soft skills in order to pull it off. Now they say Scrum Masters need to be technical. I can't really say because I do have a sort of technical background, but In all my success, I've not had to use my technical background. I mean, sometimes I'd be like, okay, stop lying. It's not going to take you that long to build that database layer, cut it out. I know, okay. But for the most part, a Scrum Master is a role that doesn't have any authority. So you have to lead with influence alone. So you have to pull on a lot of soft skills. And that role is called a servant leader. So you use things like active listening, empathy, um, uh, let's see, being able to see, you know, foresight being able to see into, into what's coming next and none of those things you can really learn in a classroom or the learning code isn't going to teach you that. So if that explains it.
0: Love it. I love it. Okay. Right. next question. Danielle, what software or coding language. Do you primarily use to create the applications. So that's back in... Yeah,
2: back in the know, day, Visual Basic, yeah. .NET, little well, C plus,
0: old school. old. Yeah, this is like the .com burst when she was doing that coding. So it's, it's oh. you know, back then it was Java script, Java that was kicking everybody out of comp side and computer engineering. Like they got that sophomore year, like, whoops, time to change my major.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> when I was in school, it was like, we were learning, okay, a language called Fortran. I don't know if you're already heard of that. I, I, took and yeah, I
0: took Yeah, I right. took Football, like that old stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I took SAS too. I, I, I like SAS. SAS. So, yeah. So okay. Um, next question we have. How would you, would you recommend getting a scrum master position from a QA background? With a CSM certification but no scrum experience.
2: Okay, so this is where. Okay, so my first job as a true scrum master. I had never done the role before. Like I said, I took the YouTube and I talked to a lot of people that were doing the work and I wanted to understand what kind of things do I need to focus on in the interview. Or what kind of things have I done in the past that would translate well to me being able to demonstrate that I could do this job? So here's the thing about when you transition or any job for that matter. No one has any idea whether you can actually do the job or not until you get there and you do it. So how do you win the role? It's whoever is not the best person for the job because No one's done the job yet for you to be able to compare and contrast if you're a hiring manager. The person who wins the role is the person who is best able to articulate their value to the interviewer. So if you understand what that company or that particular department, what are their problems? What are their pain points? What are they trying to achieve? Who their customers are? You know, what's their roadmap for the future? Any information you can find out about that to demonstrate in your interview or in your resume, how you can bring your particular skill set as an asset to them to help them achieve those goals or to eliminate those pain points. And that's really what it boils down to. And it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're going to be a developer or not. So as a QA analyst, you think like a developer and you also think like a user and your job is to break essentially whatever You know, you don't want to follow a happy path. Your job is to try to break what they've done. So you're coming at it from all kinds of angles and you're thinking like a user when you're doing it. But then when it's time to get into the nuts and bolts, maybe you need to do some research, then you have to put on your developer hat and you're there. At the same time, though, you're an active participant on the software development lifecycle. So if you're there doing that work every day and being involved in it, you know what needs to be done in order to get a project or you know, some work to done or to get a project completed. And so all you have to do is to articulate that effectively in your resume first and then in your interview. So whatever kind of things that you've done um, and, and as a QA. So maybe you found a defect that saved a lot of money. Um, maybe you were sitting in a, I guess, an estimating or ref, or a, a refinement session where, or a requirements gathering session and you said, hey, maybe we should do it this way. And because they decided to take your um, suggestion, you save time or money or you improve the quality. And that's really what it's all about. And then being able to articulate that in your resume.
0: Does that help? Yeah. Yeah, Crystal, let us know if that helps, um, and especially if if you've gone back to the summit and looked at how to set up your LinkedIn. If you haven't met with um, Tamara yet, you definitely probably want to set up some time with her to talk about um, your uh, your LinkedIn profile. She doesn't do resumes, but she can definitely help you with your LinkedIn. If and Let us know if that answers your question.
2: I, w- I want to add something else to that. I want to okay. add something else to that because I just you know look and I see the word scrum. So the thing about Scrum, the Scrum framework, okay, it, it is a, I'm actually, well, this is the second book I want to write, but I am actually writing a book called Scrum for Life, A Framework for Life, because what the, is more complicated and uncertain than life? And so Scrum is just a framework that is designed to be the answer to uncertainty. And so what that means, if we think about right now with the corona the coronavirus, the COVID-19. Right now, this is very complex time and a very uncertain time. And there's a way to successfully navigate uncertainty. And that's what Scrum is. So that's very applicable. So even if you haven't done it as a QA, I'm sure you've done some of this work somewhere else. So just a few things about Scrum. It basically entails, okay, time boxing. That is a part of it. So it's just based time boxing is like, okay guys, we're going to only allow a certain amount of time to discuss this particular topic so when you're navigating uncertainty you want to make sure you don't go down rabbit holes talking about things that don't matter so i'm sure you've had some area or or a meeting meeting effectiveness is one way you led some meetings maybe you're the uh, lead for your community of practice for qas and you've led meetings and kept them on task by time boxing them and making sure they start and end on time That's one. Another one is the values, the scrum values, commitment, openness, respect, courage, focus. I'm sure you've done all of that. So finding a way to edge those things into your resume that will translate and then using those buzzwords. Another one is um, like a daily standup. That's a meeting where all the people doing the work, first thing in the morning, they come together and they say, hey, here's what I did yesterday. Here's what I planned to do today. and they say if something is stopping them from getting their work done. I'm sure you've had little huddle meetings like that with your team. That's a daily stand up. Just call it that on your resume. So you have those buzzwords that stand out. Trust me, all the concepts within Scrum, you've done them before. You just gotta identify when and then translate them in your resume to make sense and be able to speak to them in an interview.
0: So Crystal, the recording will be available. I'm not gonna transcribe it, but you'll have it here for, for Later. Yeah, so the daily stand up is something they took from construction. We do that every, every day. Um, they also do it, um, and, and like you said, we report on what we did yesterday, we report on what's supposed to go on today, and we report on any high level issues, um, because it's very easy on a billion dollar project, one crane going down, one crew being unsafe, that would shut your whole project down. So yeah, it mm-hmm. is. and.
2: Not- when I worked at White Castle, so here's one for you. I worked at White Castles when I was 17. At the end of the shift, right? The you know, the day shift, talk to the evening shift. Hey, here's what's happening, the shake machines down, blah 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 blah. Go. So okay. you so you've conducted a daily stand-up.
0: So don't let tech fool y'all, they doing new shit. They not. Oh, I'm sorry. But they ain't doing nothing new. They just call it something different. We're gonna come with new stuff. Oh, look what they do in manufacturing. Look what they do and we we're gonna call it. Agile, why does that sound So that's what happens when he starts drinking. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> they was
2: all drinking on Snowbird. They were, they were drinking it. They thought they came up with something new. But it's nothing new under the sun. Yeah.
0: Okay, being in utility industry for 13 plus years, how do I transition to tech in a senior engineering role without my career being tech heavy? I'm going to say this. Let let me go back. This is the same person who says she, I use Python to analyze power system models and MATLAB in my current job. That's part of what she does right now, her current role in utility industry.
2: So let me preface, I pretty much will probably just only need to say this. And my experience in reading women, women, especially women of color, are like the only ones who stop to say, I'm not qualified, or I don't have this certification, or I don't have that degree, or I don't have that. White men, they see a job, listen, they will see a job. They may not, it's 10 things you need. They may qualify they might not have they might have three of them.
0: No, they apply. breathe it. They breathe it and they gonna apply. <laughs> they only had no qualification. They just breathe it.
2: Let's wrong with you? Right, But when we look for work, we're like the one thing, one thing shows up in that bulleted list and then we cancel ourselves out. I help a lot of people find work. I have this program I do call like six figures in 30 days or less, right? That I used to do back in the day. And um, the only thing that matters is how you see yourself. And if you believe it, then you shouldn't have any problem convincing. All it is is marketing. Just remember that it all is marketing. And your number one marketing tool is your resume. And then once you get in front of them, you're convincing them. Take for instance, the scrum master job. All of the skill set you need to do a scrum master, we all have it intuitive, intuitively, especially women. Caring for others, you know, your success is based on the success of others. Like the whole point of scrum, like in my journey to become a professional scrum trainer to teach this stuff. And oh, by the way, charge about $1,500 per head for the certification, class of 10, do the math, two days worth of work, 15 grand. Okay. So in my journey to become a, a professional scrum trainer, they kept having to beat it out of me. No, you reveal, you do not resolve. You reveal the problems. You don't resolve them. Your job is to help the team see their own problems and then facilitate the conversation for them to fix their own problems. Now what skills do you need to do that? Right. So w- a lot of times we get in our we get in our own way and we tell ourselves no before anybody else can. And that's the biggest hurdle. Once you release that, you'll be amazed at how your mind opens up creative creatively and juices begin to flow. And plus I will say this um, your network equals your net worth. So, you know how they say it's not what you know, it's who you know? Well, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. So if you have the right network of folks who know you, who know your skill set, your ability, that you're hungry, that you want to try something new, when when a job opening comes up, you're on their mind, you're top of mind with them. They know you, so they'll call you. And really, that's how 80% of the jobs are won anyway. I mean, I haven't really applied for a job in like, Ten years. So get out of your own way, and build out your network, and you can get any job doing anything you want. Learn as you go. You learn on the job anyway.
0: Yep. Get paid to learn. Don't pay. Don't pay for it. Yeah, okay. Like that. Next question. I recall hearing in project management that most projects fail. Do you find that to be the um, Do you find that to be the cause? How do you feel when they fail? How do most organizations deal with the failures? Re- do they reorganize?
2: Absolutely, 100% correct. Uh, a lot of that is the reason why they came up with agile software development, because of all the failures. Uh, I hadn't seen, it. I can go to any company I would go, start, like, how many of your projects end on time or go, come in under budget? Zero. And the reason why is because they do a lot of upfront design, upfront problem solving. They try to figure out everything, including when they're going to be finished at the beginning. Now, human beings suck at estimating. How long is it going to take you to get there? Oh, 20 minutes and you show up an hour. Okay, late. Because you didn't calculate there was going to be an accident or it was going to start raining or you forgot the gift. So. Trying to pretend as if you can see into the future and come up with everything that the customer is going to want and need before the customer even knows or how long it's going to take is absurd. What Scrum forces you to do is to step back and allow yourself to be uncertain. Stop trying to give an answer to an answer you don't know. Instead, it's based on something called empiricism, which, if you're in in any kind of data, you all know what that is—empirical data. It's where information is gathered based off experimentation and observation. So now, instead of trying to make decisions about how many people we need and what we're going to do next, based on the future, because you're not God or a fortune teller, um, and and if you are, you know, we can get hooked up on that lottery. Uh, but unless you're that person. You shouldn't be trying to do that. Instead, allow the answers to be emergent. So we try something for a little bit. We get some answers. And now we make decisions based off of what is known. So that is how empiricism works in an uncertain environment, is we just start with something, what we think, like an experiment, like in science. You know, here it is. If Here we go. You can be a scrum master. If you took science and you all did the scientific method, I'm sure everybody, you have a hypothesis. You you know do an experiment. Oh, then you accept or reject the hypothesis. That's all. That's all. Scrum is. So if you've done that before, you can articulate that in an interview. You have an idea about what you think. You put together a little experiment. You test it out. You get some results. Now you have feedback. Now you can make a decision about either to accept it, reject it, to move forward, or what to do next. So, I, well, I think I answered it. I think so. I lost it. Oh, that's why, so that's why they fail because they try to do everything up front. And how does the company, you know, well, they keep pushing the date back. That's one way they do it. They keep pushing the date back or uh, they blame people. It's this person's fault It's that person's fault. And usually it falls on the project management. So in Scrum, the beauty of it is, is that all the wins are shared and all the so-called failures, but I call it feedback are shared. So that's the beauty of not being an IT project manager stressed or a project manager stressed out because the success is going to be on you or the failure is going to be on you. But as a Scrum master, it's everybody. So we share all of those responsibilities across On um, what a normal project manager would do is share it across that team. And so if you adapt an agile mindset, that's one way that companies um, try to avoid that. But they don't do it right. They don't do Scrum right. So they end up failing and they are like, oh, Scrum doesn't work. Well, that's because they're still trying to command
0: and control. Yeah. Um, the comment was, I was at a place that had agile development. It was a nightmare. Everyone was stressed. Is that the case everywhere?
2: Uh, it is not the case everywhere, but you will find those places that are doing it well. And, usual, and, I'll, and I'll tell you what, the number one consistently, um, version one does the state of the agile report every year and consistently for the past decade, there are two things that remain as the number one and two barriers to agile adoption. And one is company culture, and two is that uh, infrastructure. So how the companies are structured, you know, in silos. So the QA department has a QA manager and then QAs and they report up. Then the engineers report up. And then when you try to assemble those folks on the team, well, guess what? Uh, Well, my boss said this, well, we're doing it this way. And so there's a level of confusion that's there. As far as the company culture, again, there, it requires a different type of leadership style to navigate uncertain waters. Case in point, Donald Trump. We're in very uncertain waters right now. How would you say he's doing in terms of leading the people? So you have to be a servant leader. And part of a certain leader is that you actually give a fuck about, oops, did I say that? You actually give a care about other people not going to say more, but first. And we know that that's not that leadership style. So this is why people feel even more confused and even more afraid. But if we had someone there in that role that was a true servant leader, then they could navigate these waters for us. And even though we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we feel comfortable about taking it one day at a time. And that's what a scrum master does for a team. So that's why they, want, they don't want to change the way they're doing the work. They still want, they want the benefits of scrum or agile but they don't wanna change the way that they work together and the way that they lead. And it requires them to back up and let the team figure it out themselves. Just So, so many things, I mean, self-organizing, figuring out the work yourself, having more like a coach versus a taskmaster leading the way, like that's foreign to them
0: thinking you, you just ran through my first project in construction. Cause everything, I don't know what it is, but every time I like, yeah, that job in Pittsburgh started in 2006 is 22 months. I left in 2010. <laughs> you do the math. So, um, and, and I agree, it is all culture. It is all culture. Um, and we got to be, we were the scrum team. So, at, but that's not what they call it in construction. Okay, next question. If you were to recommend a language to get familiar with, what would it be? What's hot right now? Python. Python. R. Um,
2: JE2. Uh...
1: Hey, Lisa. I don't know. And... I
2: made, I've made more money than all of, most of the developers
0: I've ever worked with. Just saying.
1: <laughs> hey, Lisa, what,
0: what's hot out in the bay?
1: So it kind of depends on like what you're doing. Um, like I'm in the autonomous vehicle space. So um, C and C++ is still hot for that for simulation. It would be more like a uh, Python. Um, and then I want to like, and, and we still have a lot of, uh, you know, web development out here. So using a lot of the JavaScript frameworks, like, you know, React, um, uh, well, some of the other ones, because I haven't done web development in a long time, but it kind of just depends on what you're doing. Um, nothing is really, I think, being, um, like, I, I work in the embedded space and in the, I guess, GUI application space, and right now, I think C Sharp might not really be, you know, being used that much anymore, mm-hmm. um, but C and C++ are still being used, definitely. Uh-oh,
2: I might get a job as a div- <laughs>
1: I don't know if you want to the cost of the bay in your
0: life, though. But it'll be remote right now. It's going to be remote right now. Take the money now, girl. Take that money now. It was a sad job. And that's what I'm going to tell y'all right now. If you cease, apply for everything right now because it's going to be remote. And test it out. Try it out. And like, nah, I am moving out there. But I appreciate the experience. I'm going to stay right here in Atlanta. <laughs> And then go, then find something else in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? So now is the, one of the best times. Y'all like, but Michelle, it's scary out there. But every, you ain't got to move. You ain't got to move to Seattle if you don't want to move to Seattle. So it's, it's, a pro and a, it's a pro and a con. I'm just saying. I'm, if you like the culture where you live, you can get your hair done eventually. You, you can go to your church eventually you can go hang out and eat at the places you like and see people that look like you talk like you relate to you eventually then you know what i'm saying it's it's not a bad time i'm just saying okay
1: we have a few more questions um and then oh michelle really quick i just wanted to mention i forgot about java because companies like uh netflix and roku uh, use java a lot especially for streaming so java is really big in streaming and i would just say it was it was the post they had about how new jersey
0: unemployment was using cobalt and they were going like oh why are they using such an old language i said oh y'all young folk they use all sorts of crap in the government they don't change languages just because new stuff come out it's like oh oh my god the new the new whatever toyota whatever came out i'm gonna go buy buy girl that will pay for the engine run good the gas mileage is good you ain't got to worry about the, the increased property taxes and insurance because your old car works just fine and they don't understand that mindset we gonna hold us we don't go buy a house every time there's a new subdivision you keep that saying after that 30-year mortgage on it so all right the
2: wheels fall off i mean i just did i did a contract with northern trust they they manage like for three trillion dollars in assets and they they use mainframes too
0: yeah, a lot of financial institutions are not going away from mainframes now. They're like, cloud is cute, but we don't. We, we got thirty years invested. They did that. If y'all took engineering economics, you know they did that thirty years. We not replacing this. To everybody die, that know how to run this. The cloud is cute. I'm done. Gonna... <laughs> they're not. they not gonna pay for the infrastructure. They're not gonna pay for it. They've already invested in, and they have. They have looked at how much it's gonna cost to replace it. Like, nah we secure we know how it work and change is is very hard as a business owner and you do this too because you do consulting it is very hard to change tells me you'll save money like now nah, i'm good with my iphone 6 because i know how it work i don't want whatever model out because i gotta go buy all this extra stuff i gotta learn what the new buttons is y'all don't move the camera i know how this works until it dies I'm leaving. I'm st- even though I can't hear my text messages come through. I know to just go check every hour. They will not ch- change mindset. Y'all, can, you cannot sell people on that. that um, and that's that's it.
2: That's it right there. Change the way they do work. Change the way they see the work. All that. Okay. I, um, um,
0: Nicole, I don't know if we helped you with the languages, but you got plenty of options though. <laughs> all right. All right. And now question. is
2: a great time to learn them.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, did you obtain any certifications to supplement your Scrum Master onboarding or learning? She said, "Oh, she she said certifications are so su- to supplement." Okay, certifications, not YouTube. All right. <laughs> hey, YouTube is
2: a reputable. No. Okay. Uh, no, I didn't. I did not. But after I got the job, I made them pay for it. So I can get the certification. And so now I just get them because like, well, the one I'm getting now is because so I can become a trainer. But the first one the CSM, I have a CSM as well. And you, it's a two day course. They teach you it, you pass the exam with 85 or something percent, but it doesn't really prepare you to do the job. But don't get me wrong, having the certification can give you that edge, like when they're hiring because the people hire, they don't really know that you don't really learn diddly in that class. Because everything they taught in the class, I learned online before I showed up. This is specific to Scrum. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say go try to be a developer (laughs) and you don't know how to, you don't know that language. Although I'm not saying I wouldn't try it.
0: Uh, They they be on on Twitter, like, I asked somebody on my team, they're like, I don't know, let's go to Google. Mm And, okay. and say it like other people's money listen it, okay but i'd be like so y'all be trash talking old developers who ain't have youtube they wouldn't know google there might have been yahoo groups in, cha- in the original chat rooms God. okay chat- but i ain't gonna talk about y'all over on twitter because i'm taking a break okay <laughs> um Any thoughts on companies that are using Scrum or Agile? Well, I think you answered that because you gave the resource of where to go to to get that. A
2: lot of the startups are doing okay with it. But the old school companies where they like been around for a long time, chances are their infrastructure is very layered with a bunch of management. And here's the deal. Scrum has three roles in it. Development team, product owner, and Scrum master. So everybody starts freaking out when they don't see their role. And then they start booking against the system. Managers, BAs, you know, anyone else who's currently participating, when Scrum comes around and they don't see their role, people are married to their titles, like that kind of thing. So startups are great places. Companies that have been in business less than 10 years.
0: Okay. I, I'm married to my money. I'm like Cardi B. Um, get that title on. Yeah, you know it's so funny you say that because because I'm, I'm, I'm still in my comparison. I keep telling y'all, I keep hearing what she's saying about school, and I'm still thinking about construction. And I work for a very my former employer is very bureaucratic, very hierarchy, hierarchical. But we had to go and build utility facilities for our clients, and they were we were both the same way. And we would come in there killing them because we were all a lot of us were a type personality. I got dates to hit, I got budget to maintain woo get out of the way we're not ludicrous and mm-hmm. yeah and at first they would be bucking the system like no we don't do that halfway through that project like yo we need to do this how are we gonna get there and we'd be like oh that's easy abc and they'd be like all right let's go mm-hmm. so after a while once you prove yourself they come they can they may come around they may not change their culture internally at first but that team that shows that it works that drive, that change, it will start to spin because you will become the star within that organization. And as long as that team stays together, the longer that team stays together, what happens usually that team breaks apart because people end up being able to take that experience to elevate and advance their careers. So learn the skill set on how to build good teams as well when you get that under your belt. Um, Okay, let's see. What does your typical day look like? What kind of deliverables do you have? What are the hours? What is the stress level? What types of personalities are you dealing with? Go ahead, break that down.
2: All right, typical day. (laughs) No, it's funny. My mom asked me what I do for a living because I was working from home and she was like, Did you get fired? I'm like, no, Ma, it's called working from home. Calm down. She said, well, what do you do anyway? I'm like, nothing really. She was like, I hope you don't let, I hope you don't tell, let nobody in your boss hear you saying that. And I was like, calm down. So really, uh, my day looks like, I may or may not sit in on some of the daily standups, but I'm observing. Any other meetings, I'm an observer. If I need to step in, I may step in and help resolve conflict using my soft skills to facilitate a conversation, ask powerful questions for the most part, especially as an, I'm an agile coach now. So I'm no longer a scrum, scrum master. I'm an agile coach and usually as someone who kind of uh, oversees other scrum masters. So like the team is having a meeting and they'll say, well, this thing is blocking me and I can't, I'm like, Oh, well, how long has it been blocking you? Well, this long, well, what teams do you need to coordinate with to fix that? Well, this team, what have you, what, what's been, what have you been able to accomplish so far? Uh, what what's another option? Oh, so just asking powerful questions throughout the day. Um, as a Scrum Master, well, I'll tell you, I'm gonna be honest, that's how you really do the work. But then as a Scrum Master, most companies haven't graduated yet, and they still expect you to like set up the meetings, um, you know, make sure everybody's in the stand up. You, you're you the one talking in the meeting, like, okay, guys we are gonna start now, that kind of thing. So some companies kind of still expect you to do that. Now, for me, I do I do some reporting. I may gather some data to say, oh, okay, here's how we're progressing towards our goal and share that with the team. I go and find articles that are informative, share that. I mean, I do a lot of stuff that's above and beyond because I'm trying to just help them think differently. But uh, in terms of what an employer would expect from you as a Scrum Master, maybe some reports, set up some meetings. So you're like a meeting planner I say if you're a meeting planner you could be a scrum master too so you know and then cope you know just talking with people seeing how their day is going sort of like a therapist sometimes sometimes like a mom sometimes like a best friend because the goal is to make really um, to get people to change is to get people to do something differently every day than they were doing before so if I come in a team and the results are this How can I get the results here? I have to get them to do something differently every day. And the reality of it is, is all of our, and those are behaviors. So all of our behaviors are driven by our beliefs, thoughts and feelings. So all I really do is I help the team feel better so that they can bring their A game to work. They already know what to do. I mean, they're software engineers for crying out loud, extremely intelligent, creative individuals. So they don't need me to tell them what to do. They just need me to help them move shit out of the way that's stopping them, make them feel good, and you're gone. So that's really what my day consists of. Deliverables, like I said, maybe some reports. Sometimes I've been where like Blue Cross Blue Shield, they want you to like manage the dollars that's being burned up by the team. That's really easy because they have all kind of software to do that, Microsoft Project, different things. So that's easy. The hours, okay. So I'm online about eight. I'm working about two. If that uh, stress level depends on the culture of the company and in the, in the culture of any place, any team, any family is made up of the people that are in it. So if the people are uh, afraid or chain or risk averse, don't like change, afraid to fail, afraid to make a mistake, Um, high, strong, strong personalities. That's the, it's all people stuff that causes the stress. It's never the technology. So your personalities, you know, some, okay, a lot of times developers can be introverts. You got to figure out how to get them comfortable coming out Um, and being a part of a team, they kind of just want to be heads down developing, but in order for, uh, something like the scrum framework to work, you need people to be actively engaged and comfortable taking interpersonal risks, like speaking up and trying new things. So, mm, some other traits, personalities, people that have been at the company for a long time, they hoard information, hoard knowledge, mm, they're resistant to change. So, you know, stuff like that, regular people stuff.
0: Yeah, no matter where you go, it's it's the same thing over and over again. Okay, we have one last question because I don't see anything else that i would ask y'all. Okay, um, they said, love it, very informative. This is really helpful. Okay, and I have an announcement I'm going to share, even though I don't want to. I'm going to do it anyway because I ain't a selfish person. Have you found the scrum role to be more rewarding than engineering and project management? If so, why?
2: Yes, yes, and yes, and yes. Number one reason, I'm just saying, I'll tell you what, the most most that I've made is $95 an hour as a scrum master. Now, I'm gonna say that in that particular role, I lowballed myself and I had the potential to make one fifteen, But I was being up afraid and I was scared to ask for it. So let me just say that number one, it has been the money. Number two, it has been able to curate a network of some solid folks that I could call on. So I've got an opportunity to work in an industry where you're meeting some really smart people and really with people so that network number two um, and it's very rewarding because again, like I said, the failure is shared and so or feedback, I call it, but the failure is shared. And so the weight is not on you as a PM, the weight is on you. Um, as an engineer kind of sometimes I kind of feel like some days I just want to come in and write some code and go home. I don't want to be dealing with anybody and all that stuff, but When I can come into a company like Allstate with a team of 67 people, which is not a real Agile team, by the way, recommended is three to nine people, okay, uh, for an Agile team, but this, they had 67 people. They were working together for nine months on a special redesign project. They were burning through 90K a week. And then those nine months of working together, they had not released a single piece of working software. So when I came in, like the interview was something like this, like, hey, basically they need a queen beat they need like somebody to come in not hold their hand just to get it done you know just come in you need to stay on confident you know i did it i came in and i did it and an, an interview lasted like 10 minutes i'm like the hell and they were like okay like we've heard enough they were like okay and i was like damn i didn't, Next, before, I didn't get to the car the recruiter was calling me like they want you i came in and within five months i saved three million dollars Right now, that's very freaking rewarding. Now, would have been really rewarding if I was really working for myself and I had negotiated to give me ten percent or whatever I say
0: You but, still uh, could. You still could have negotiated that as part know. of you as an employee. You can still negotiate that.
2: Yeah. okay, then all yeah. right.
0: You can so, still yeah. negotiate
2: that. And Eng- when I was writing, like when I was developing applications, it was rewarding because I could create something and solve a problem and. Um, at least two or three of the applications that I put in place at or May they, they still use right now because like people hit me up like this. this, this. So that was kind of rewarding, but nothing has been more rewarding than this. I'll tell you. I mean, I could show you like a card that I got from that group where they called me like a savior and you saved my life. People were quitting because of that project, and basically what I did is I, you know, this is when I really started taking my role to heart because I can come in and make a difference, not only at work for these people, but then they go home and they're better spouses, they're better parents, they're better friends, and they all have a better, overall better quality of life. And so, yes, so all of that, very rewarding. Yes, so
0: absolutely. So I'm glad that answered the question. Y'all give it up for Danielle. Thank you for dropping these gems. Um, One thing I wanna tell y'all is, I'm sorry, I'll be right back Danielle, so, one of my competitors, called Fairy God Boss, is actually doing a job fair, career fair. Uh, one of the companies that is going to be there is um, a fintech company. I want you to go and apply for the for that job fair. They do require you to have a technical background. So, um, Jessica, be sure you have your MATLAB and everything on your resume. It's like, if you don't have a resume, just PDF your LinkedIn profile. So whichever one is most up to date, if you don't have time to do it, I think the last day to register might be May 28th. So you have a week, but don't quote me on that. It's called Fairy God Boss. Um, If you see something, um, I only work with particular companies. So I have a very, very small list. Um, And I just literally talked to this company last week, so they're not a client yet, but it is an opportunity. I'm not sure I wanted to career fairs either, but anyway, it's an opportunity for you to at least test the market. They will not even let you in if your documentation does not show you have a technical background. So be sure you're on your ish when you go to apply, okay? Or you just want to try a dirty one. What I mean by a dirty one, put your sister name on it. Um, or somebody, and y'all just kind of if you're in a Facebook group or you got other friends that are applying, like see what they had on their resume if they got in or if they got rejected, so that'll help you. So it's called Fairy God Boss Hey Dad.com, Danielle. Thank you so much. This y'all see why y'all see why I wanted her to join, right? This is dope, right? This is dope.
2: Hope so I hope I provided some kind of value. Oh,
0: they, they're in there loving you, they love they loving you. Yeah, great job. Yes, okay, so. Um, we will catch y'all next time audience here don't go anywhere I want to do an exercise with y'all real quick so y'all, I'm, gonna
2: drop, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry because I know you about to ch- cut me off but I'm gonna okay. drop my email in the. Uh, yes. and if you have any questions just email me I can help you also I have a large network that is available to you all of you so if you see a role somewhere you see I'm connected to them on LinkedIn reach out to me I can make an introduction Plus, I'm always privy to new jobs and plus, besides my bosses are always asking me do you know someone who can do what you do and I'm like no so yeah plus yeah. I get I get hit every day for jobs
0: so, so interested- I, w- I won't put your email in the blog post when we post this on the website but I'll put your LinkedIn profile so y'all at least have that uh, because you know somebody will come along and scrape for email anyway if they don't already have it okay so thank you everybody <laughs>